This is Greg Hall, and it's Christmas time. And I don't want to ignore the obvious connection this time of year has with the biblical story. It was last year at this time that I put together six episodes. Those are episodes 28 through 33, in which I examined the way we've come to know the story of the advent of the Christ. And believe it or not, we've gotten parts of the story completely wrong. In this episode, I'm going to do a bit of a rewind of that Advent series. I'll take just a few minutes here at the beginning to introduce you to some of the content from the first five episodes of the series, and then we'll listen to a new version of the Christmas story that I put together, which includes some of the details we will talk about. So over the years, in my roles of pastor and professor, I've spent some time researching and thinking about the advent of the Christ. And I found that many people even struggle to give a simple definition of the word advent. Well, a strict definition is simply the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. And in the Christian worldview, the advent speaks of the event surrounding the arrival of the notable person of Jesus. So this Christmas season, I invite you to rethink with me the advent of the one we call the Christ. And let's start with the family. (laughs) That's what I discussed in episode 28. Most would say, when we look at the family, that Mary and Joseph are the family. And then we might want to add in Elizabeth and Zacharias and Johnny B. (laughs) That's my nickname for John the Baptist. They are all part of the family, but there's a lot more than that. In Matthew's gospel, you might be tempted to say that the Advent story begins in chapter 1, verse 18, with the conception and birth of Jesus. But Matthew really starts the story in the first verse of the gospel by sharing Jesus's complicated family tree that is riddled with women who are embroiled in sexual scandals. Matthew reminds his readers of how God used strong women of faith like Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. Each of these women who are mentioned in the genealogy aren't what they seem to be on the outside. Despite their life circumstances, their lineage, their gender, and yes, even sometimes their chosen profession, they are all righteous women that show great faith in God, and they were all considered scandalous in their day. But God used them, and it's Matthew that mentions them to set up the scandal that Mary's pregnancy would produce. So, I think we miss something about the family when we remove Matthew's genealogy from the Advent story. So, let's move on. What about the timing of the event? We covered that in episode 29. When was Jesus actually born? Well, first, we've completely messed up the year. One might assume that Jesus was born at the beginning of year AD 1. The AD there is a Latin phrase that means in the year of our Lord. But no, (laughs) 
because of some bad fact-checking, it turns out that Jesus was actually born somewhere in the B.C. part of the calendar. And that's unfortunate because B.C. stands for before Christ. And if messing up the year wasn't bad enough, the time of year is likely wrong as well. While we may not know exactly when Jesus was born within the year, all indicators would suggest that the one time it probably didn't happen was in the middle of winter. (laughs) So we should probably rethink the timing of the Advent as well. Well, let's revisit the nativity scene. I discussed that in episode 30. The common depiction that Jesus was born in a barn surrounded by animals is probably worth looking into. I mean, it's not like Mary and Joseph didn't know anyone in Bethlehem. Their entire extended family was there for the same reason they were. Everyone had gathered for the census. And It's absolutely ridiculous to think they weren't staying with family. The word that Matthew uses that is often translated as inn, there was no room in the inn, it likely refers to a part of the house where the people actually lived. And modern archaeology suggests that Mary and Joseph were probably staying in the storage area of one of their relatives' houses. How are we doing? Do you want to get rid of that nativity diorama in your living room yet? (laughs) Well, if not, then I've got more work to do. Lastly, before we get to my retelling of the story, let's talk about those wise men and their gifts. Those topics were covered in episodes 31 and 32. So, okay, first of all, there were likely many more wise men than the three we commonly depict. We landed on the number three just so each of them would have a gift to present. I mean, no one likes to go to a birthday party empty-handed, right? What I would suggest is that you picture more like a dozen. In fact, some people have estimated that as many as 50 wise men may have made the trip. It would have been a huge caravan. And the gifts? They would have been huge, too. Gifts for kings didn't ever fit inside a small handheld gift box. And who were the wise men? They were likely descendants of those who had been taught by the Old Testament prophet Daniel. And in Daniel's writings, he's the one that predicted when the Christ would arrive. And these men, so many years later, would have been looking in the stars for a sign to appear. It turns out there is a lot to rethink when it comes to the Advent story. And to be honest, we barely even scratched the surface. If you want to know more, you can head back and revisit some of those episodes. Let's ask the question, though, what would that Advent story sound like if someone really put on their rethinking hat and gave it a whirl? Well, that's what I attempted to do in episode 33. and. That's what I'll replay for you right now. So, gather the kids. I'll give you a little bit of time. And as the kids are coming, you can go over to that nativity set, give it a little rearranging, maybe remove the animals, 
maybe get rid of the barn, maybe take the wise men and put them by the front door because they didn't arrive for several months, if not years later. Okay, everyone cozy? Now, let's listen to a hopefully more accurate version of the Christmas story. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. It's important to understand that the story of Jesus didn't just start with the announcement of his birth. Jesus' story goes back into the Old Testament, and his family is a royal family. His ancestors included Abraham and King David. But that's not all. There were many great women of faith in Jesus' family, too. Women like Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba all played an important role in the family of Jesus. You can read all of their stories some other time, but I'm mentioning them today because they all had a part in assuring the royal status of Jesus. Jesus was a king, but the story of his birth is unlike any other story you may have heard. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias. His wife was Elizabeth. Like many in Jesus' family, they both believed in God. Although they wanted children, they were unable to have any kids, and now they were too old. But one day, an angel appeared to Zacharias at work and surprised him with the news that he and his wife, despite how old they were, would have a son named John. Their son would be Jesus's cousin, and he would prepare the people of Israel for the arrival of Jesus, Jesus would be the rightful king of Israel, and John would help announce that. Needless to say, Zacharias and Elizabeth were very excited. They loved God, and they had always wanted children. Six months after that angel visited Zacharias, the same angel appeared in Nazareth to a woman named Mary. She was a teenager, but even though she wasn't very old, she had a deep faith in God. Mary was in love with a man named Joseph, and they were engaged to be married. And the angel told Mary, just like he had informed Zacharias and Elizabeth, that she too would have a baby boy. Except, this time it was going to be different. The Holy Spirit would create the baby inside of Mary, so Joseph wouldn't be the father. Instead, the boy would be the Son of God. Well, Mary was excited about this big news, but... Joseph was a bit confused about the plan. So an angel appeared to him in a dream and explained how everything was going to work. And when Joseph woke up, he too was excited to help raise Jesus. One time, when they were both pregnant, Mary got together with Elizabeth to talk about their pregnancies and other baby stuff. But when they started talking, something unexpected happened. The Holy Spirit visited Elizabeth and her baby, and everyone got very excited all over again. Mary ended up saying a poem that some people later made into a song. 
She said things like, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is His name, and His mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear Him. He has done mighty deeds with His arm. He has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. And when she said that last part, I think Mary was talking about Elizabeth and herself because they were both humble people and God had allowed both of them to be filled with babies. Well, the time came for Elizabeth to have her baby and she and Zacharias announced to everyone that his name was to be John. And the Holy Spirit, like it had done with Elizabeth, visited her husband, Zacharias, and he couldn't stop talking about how great God had been to his family throughout the years and how God was willing to save his people. After that, everyone that had descended from King David gathered together in Bethlehem to be counted. That meant that Joseph and Mary had to travel about 80 miles from their home to visit their relatives. But when they arrived, there were so many in their extended family that they had to stay downstairs in the room where the animals normally stayed. And while they were staying there, the time came for Mary to give birth. And when Jesus was born, they wrapped him all up nice and tight and they laid him in the place where the animal's food was normally put. But it was the perfect size for the eight pound, six ounce newborn infant Jesus. Near Bethlehem, there were some shepherds watching their flocks. And because it wasn't the middle of the winter, the shepherds were able to stay out in the fields all night with their animals. Does that sound like fun? Well, that night, an angel visited them to tell them about the birth of Jesus. The angel startled them because something like that had never happened to them before. But after they learned that a savior had been born and that he was in King David's family, they were terribly excited. Could this be the savior that was talked about in the scriptures? Had a new king been born that would save his people? Then, as if one angel wasn't enough, a whole group of angels appeared and gave God glory. And they said that peace was on earth. And I think they may have been talking about the Lord baby Jesus. Well, that was enough to get those shepherds to want to visit the baby. And when they found Mary and Joseph, they told the whole family there in the house what the angels had said. And everyone wondered what all of that meant. But Mary already knew. After the shepherds had greeted the baby, they eventually left and went back to find the animals they had left out in the fields. And things calmed down around the house, and the whole family really enjoyed having a new baby around. Everyone in the family wanted to hold him. And they couldn't stop talking about how this little baby would someday be the most important man in the whole world. Mary and Joseph were invited to stay with their relatives for quite a while. And when Jesus was 40 days old, just a little over a month, they took him to the temple in Jerusalem to show God how big he was getting. And that's when something strange happened. There were two different people, a man named Simeon and a woman called Anna, that when they saw Jesus, having never met him before, they both immediately knew that he was a special child. 
and they talked to everyone around the temple about what God had done. And something else rather unexpected happened after Jesus was born. Mary and Joseph didn't know it, but way far away in the east, there were wise men, a whole group of them, who had been told to watch for signs that a king had been born. So they were looking for a special star to arrive. And do you know, that night when baby Jesus was born, a special star appeared in the sky to let the wise men know that Jesus had arrived? When the group of wise men saw it, they got really excited. Their people had been waiting for over 400 years for this day to arrive. So they all packed their bags and set out on the long journey to go see the baby. And after many months of travel, they arrived in Israel and they went to the temple to find where this new king was. The people there knew the scriptures had promised a king was supposed to be born in Bethlehem, but those people didn't yet know about Jesus. And they asked, when did that star first arrive? And the wise men said it had been about two years ago. So knowing that Jesus had been born in Bethlehem, all the wise men traveled that last six miles to see the little boy. It had taken them so long to get there that Jesus was a toddler by then, and he walked right up to the door when they knocked. Mary and Joseph couldn't believe how many of them traveled all that way to see them. When the wise men saw Jesus, do you know what they did? They fell to the ground and bowed before that little child, and they worshipped him like he was already the king. But that wasn't all. They had read in their scriptures that they should bring certain gifts with them. They unpacked huge bundles of gold and frankincense. It was so much that Jesus' poor family instantly became rich. But the wise men also brought something called myrrh, which people used to make things smell better in the grave after people die. It seemed like a really weird gift to give a king. But these wise men were really wise. They had read that this little boy king would someday die for his people that he had come to save. The myrrh was to let everyone else know that's what he would eventually do. Well, the wise men stayed a while and then went back home knowing they had seen the boy who would change the world forever. They were happy. But not everybody was happy. The man in Jerusalem, Herod, who called himself the king, wasn't very happy about Jesus getting all this attention and all the gifts. He wanted to kill Jesus right then, before he grew up. So an angel came and warned Mary and Joseph to escape to Egypt so Jesus wouldn't be hurt. They got out of town just in time and stayed there until the mean king Herod died in 4 B.C. And when it was safe to return, Mary and Joseph took Jesus back to Nazareth, where they lived when Mary first found out that she would be having a baby boy. The family lived there in Nazareth for a long time, and Jesus eventually grew up to be a man. And do you know what? He did become king, but he wasn't like any other king that ever lived. And the wise men, they were right. He did end up dying to save his people. That's a great story too, but it's one for another day. And do you know that hundreds of years later, people wrote songs and painted paintings and even created little dioramas in their home every year to remember the birth of Jesus? 
And even though the songs and the paintings and even the scenes of the nativity didn't get all the details exactly right, they still reminded people every year that something very special had happened when Jesus came into the world. And that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. The music played for this story was created and arranged by Jacob Hall. The intro music is Jazzy Bells by D. Yankee. 